0: We hold these truths to be self evident, that all men are created equal. But today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. The following, following, the following is a Journey into comic. Journey into Comics, Journey into Comics, Journey into Comics, Journey into Comics, Network, 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 Networks. Production, Production. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast dedicated to all things nerd, with your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips. Showtime, eh host. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Journey into Comics. It's Journey into Comics 228. I'm your host, Nate. Hope everybody's having a kick-ass start to their Monday morning. Or whenever in time and space you happen to be listening to this podcast, you might be listening fifty years in the future, man. You might be going back and checking out this dude named Nate who had all these crazy ideas and they known he was known as the Pod Father, man. Whatever you're doing, thanks for tuning in. As you guys know, if you're listening to my show, usually try to kick it off with a little bit of a cataloging of the train of our existence showing up within the first fucking 38 seconds of our show. I don't give a shit. Let's keep rolling on it. So, as always, I'd give you guys the backstory to what kind of has happened in my previous week. And man, has it been a busy one since I last recorded Journey into Comics. So, Monday... The day JIC comes out. Get up. The plan is Sarah's got to go and teach lessons. Just like, it just so worked out. Some of her students needed a different day. Her Mondays are open for possible makeup schedulings and other things. If we absolutely have to have that. So uh, it was like, okay, cool. No big deal. V and I will just take the truck. We'll go down to Lowell. Get V's car. Go pick up Ollie. And it'll be great. No big deal. So... For some reason in my head, before Sarah left, I thought, I should start this truck. I should get this truck started right now. I just felt it. I don't know. It was just in my bones. I felt it. Not sure why. Okay? So I go to start the truck, and guess what? Spoiler alert. It's dead as fuck. We've had so much snow and cold-ass weather it's just nonstop. The, and the truck, you know, uh, it was weird because I would used it only a few days prior. But for whatever reason, the battery was like, peace, I'm out. I can't do it. I can't hold on. It's too cold. Fuck this. So it was dead. And that puts a whole wrench in our day and, and whatnot. So that just threw our day off a little bit or whatever. And, and that was just kind of like the start to the week. So it was like the truck dying is the start to my fiasco of this week. So we get to, okay, uh. Tuesday. Oh, so Tuesday we usually go down to Lowell, to hang out with V, spend some time with her, you know, and Ollie since he's home finally. And, uh. Nope. Crazy ice conditions. There's so much ice on the road, you're slipping all around. You guys know how it is if it's winter wherever you are and whenever you are. So I'm just like, this week is fucking weird. So I'm I'm now, okay. Had an extended day at home on Monday because I had no truck. Tuesday, uh, we, for some reason, I cannot find the fucking jumper cables on the, on for the car. It's a part of the story right now. Yes, I found them, but we're not there yet. Spoiler alert. So, Tuesday. Uh, oh, another part of the... Hold on. There's a very important part of the story you guys need to know. Because if you don't know this part of the story... You're going to be a little bit lost. So let's just paint the picture a little bit more clearly. When I say the truck is dead and it's kind of a fucked up situation, here's what I mean my truck was parked in our driveway with the engine facing the garage. So that would be the engine facing uh, west. Okay. So it needs to face east if I'm going to put a car next to it and jump it. Here's the here's where we get the crazy issue. My drive is solid ice. I mean, and it's always ice. It's bad. We have an ice issue here. Constantly ice is over. It's just the way the sun melts the snow, and then it just creates a layer of ice throughout the day because of the cold temperatures, and it's just a losing battle. You can't salt it enough. It sucks. So the truck is iced in, too, a little bit. So I can't just push it. Not a big deal because I can't get traction because the whole drive is fucking solid ice. So I'm like... Okay, so i got to pick a day when there's enough warmth out that it's melted enough of this ice that I can get my fucking traction and do this shit. So, Wednesday. Sarah's got to leave. What I mean by Sarah's got to leave is, I mean, she's got this sweet-ass gig with the the Mac Symphony. We're going to be talking about them here in a few short minutes as well. She's got this sweet gig with them up there. She's taking notes for their conductor, Kirk Musprat, maestro Kirk Musprat. We'll be talking about him in a few short minutes also as well. So we, uh, you know, I'm just essentially locked up at home, right? Sarah is going to go do this thing. The truck is still not able to get out and able to be turned around because I finally found the fucking jumper cables. I'm like, okay, now I have a plan. I'm going to have to pick the day. Push the truck out into the road. Have Sarah steer it and turn it into the road. By the way, I'm not going to lie. Well, we'll get there. Uh, so, I uh, Wednesday, I just kind of was locked in at the house. and I did nothing. And it was really fucked up and boring. It was strange to just be essentially stranded here. I'm not going to go walking in winter. I'm not going to get bundled up and walk over to McDonald's to get a sandwich or something, so it's like I was just cooking at home, that, you guys know me, I love cooking, Like that's not an issue listen to foodies watching movies every other Wednesday, not this Wednesday Journey into Wrestling this Wednesday, but next Wednesday you'll get episode 10 of season 3 of foodies But uh, so I love cooking, it's not a big issue for me, I can just get locked in, fucking start making some shit, riff my whole entire dinner and be totally happy with the end result uh, so Home locked. I made a couple meals. Sarah gets home at like almost one in the morning. I think it was because she. I mean, she's driving out to Glen Ellen, and by the way, it was like not the perfect conditions for for driving um, about fifty minutes. It kind of shitty out. Well, not terrible, not as bad as it had been. We had that snowstorm you guys heard about last weekend. So Uh, I'm just trying to. Okay, so so Thursday is the day where. The shiitake mushrooms kind of hit the proverbial fan because it got busy real fast. Sarah's dad needed to come over to hang out. Sarah and I had to run an errand and get lunch. While we were running the errand, V texted and was like, hey, Ollie and I are coming to scoop you because they thought Sarah had already gone to the MAC for the second day because she was working both Wednesday and Thursday, so we're now at Thursday. Sarah's not yet gone. we still got some shit to do. And V's like, Ollie and I are heading up to scoop you. We don't want you trapped in the house all day. And I was like, thank God. God, I cannot be in my house for another day kind of locked in, you know. Yeah, I'm starting to get stir-crate, like, uh, all work and no play, make Nate a dull-dull boy. Now, granted, I got some cool shit done in that time, too, like design work and stuff. You guys are going to, fuck it, I'm going to announce that shit today, by the way. We're going to, Dick, I'm announcing that shit today, by the way. It's happening. If you're listening right now, tell everybody. Be like, he's, he's announcing it. Yeah, no, right now, maybe. No, it, not right now, but soon. Soon I'll be announcing a thing, and we're going to get into it. So Thursday, V and Ollie come to scoop me up, and it's like moments of moments. They get here to scoop me up right after a package that my dad surprised me with, which is a battery charger and a battery tester for the truck, bitching in the kitchen. Uh, So those showed up. V showed up here. Then we showed up with our food or we showed up after we had eaten our food, and then Sarah had to start getting ready to go. But her dad was heading over to visit with her for a minute and hand over the tickets because we had them delivered to his house, because safer to do that uh, for the symphony or for the orchestra uh, for the opera, the operetta actually is what it was called that we went to this Sunday. So, and we're going to get there in a second. So V picks me up. What are we doing? We're taking Ollie to Chuck E. Cheese for the first time. Holy shit. That was a fun experience. I've only ever been to Chuck E. Cheese now twice in my life. Once, I was probably like 13 or 14. I was with my stepdad's family and my cousin Brant. And they went to one. And I just remember I did not have that good of a time. Like, and right now I'm going to get into it that this time I had a fucking amazing time at Chuck E. Cheese. It's so much better to go as an adult. It's like, shit, everyone should. That's why Dave and Busters exists because someone's like, Dude, of course Chuck E. Cheese like, fucking duh. Just an arcade. Just a great arcade. But this arcade's fun because it's a little bit more geared towards kids obviously. You win tickets a little bit quicker. Spoiler alert, man, we hustled the fuck out of getting some tickets because while Ollie played games and got tickets and earned tickets and I would play some games and get tickets and B would play skee-ball and get tickets and whatnot, uh, we did not get that many tickets, but we walked away with a lot of tickets because people would leave their tickets in the machine and never pick them up. They didn't want the prize. They didn't want the, the ticket or whatever, so we were just womp, womp, just ticket grabbing. If they were sitting there for 10 minutes and nobody was touching that machine, I'm going and scooping those fucking eight tickets. It adds up it adds up. So Ollie really got into the Jurassic Park arcade shooter and we killed some dinos and it was a lot of fun and I was just having a blast and it was like motion control so you're like sitting in this chair and it's like moving you around and you're like shooting gah, 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 motherfucker you know and like you can throw grenades and shit and like cool you can get like f- any it's I'm not gonna give you a full video game breakdown of this thing go fucking Chuck E. Cheese play the game uh, but the one main thing from Chuck and e. Cheese I want to take away is how tough and badass little Oliver is, and and he doesn't even know this. And you guys, I'm giving you guys this info because I know sold him. He no sold me, and it made me see just his his literal ability to take an interesting level of quote unquote pain. And what I mean by that, that could sound off to some. You hurt your, you did not hurt Mr. Oliver. No, I did. I, no, no, no. Here's what happened. So we're in Chuck E. Cheese and I see this thing called like the Raging Gorilla or some shit. Or like the Electric Gorilla or fucking some shit. And it's just two fucking metal paddles. And it says the game goes as long as you can hold on. And I said, challenge accepted. But I also said, Ollie, you should try this first and see how it goes, right? so i'm just like here's what you got to do man no matter what you can't let go that's the only rule it's the only rule of the game no matter what you can't let go i'm going to coach you through it i'm just going to be your hype man is just keep hearing my voice and you'll get through it right so he grabs these paddles and i click it on the medium power setting so they have low power setting medium power setting high power setting what do i learn from this Low power setting is like a thousand quote unquote seconds. It's really like a hundred. And then it's like 200 and 300 seconds. So it's just essentially length of time. And it just like, it doesn't actually shock you, right? But it just vibrates these things so ridiculously fast that it like fatigues your hands, okay? And it makes your hands feel weird. Like even right now, my hands are shaking just thinking about the. So Ollie on the medium setting, boom, he does the fucking whole tooth. Quote, unquote, 2,000 seconds, 200 seconds, 2,000 points. And I'm like, all right, kid, not bad. So then I'm like, before I have him go up to the Super Saiyan Max level, let's, let's, I'm going to test this. I want to see what that felt like. I'm not, you know, whatever. So I fucking put a token in, and I go for the highest power setting because I'm bigger. That was the longest However the fuck long that was in my whole life holding on to those things, they were shaking and hurting, and it felt like I was being kind of electrocuted, but not really. It was just more the numbness and the palm sensation. They can't actually electrocute children. I mean, come on, for fuck's sakes. Uh, That's not going to work out anywhere. So that was just really fun because then I do the fucking, and and we get a bunch of tickets, and then Ollie's like, I want to go again. But like you. And I'm like, what? You want to do the long one? He's like, I can do it. And I was like, I don't know, man. I feel like it was like leveled up. Like like when you're on 200, it's, it actually is like a lower vibration. So it's a little less powerful while also being less time. But then when you go full tilt to that, that, that high voltage, it's max zzz and max time. So he fucking did it. For the full time, didn't let up. And he was just like grimacing. And I know he's only five, but in my head, he was going, you motherfucking ape. I'm not going to fucking let go. And he was just like locked in. It was brutal and brilliant all at once. I love that kid. He was great. So we finish up with the Chuck E. Cheese. They came over, Ollie and V, and hung out for a bit. Here's another little sub story. Uh, I told this to Dick when we were at his house. We're going to talk about that soon. I told you this is going to be a long one, folks. I'm so sorry. I know you want to get into the comic book news into the comic book world. You probably even want me to take... A drink break brought to you by Poor 360. Coming out tomorrow, guys, another episode. I actually don't know what the topic's going to be. I I did not see yet what his topic selection was, so I'm very intrigued to see where we end up tomorrow. I'll know by the time this actually airs, but as of me recording this, I do not know what AP has in store for us. I'm excited for it. Here's my drink break. Just add it to the show. Make it a fucking thing, man. It's a bit... So, Ollie and V come back to hang out. And Ollie's like, Nate, can I play that game and ride the horses? I was like, yes, you can play Red Dead Redemption. I'll let you just ride around on Explosivo. That's my horse. What's the name of my song? Explosivo. Don't know what it's about, but it's good to go. Anyways, so he uh, he's playing... Uh, Red Dead and the first time he played Red Dead Redemption 2 he had the horse for like all 30 seconds ran over a lady committed murder ran away and thought it was the most fucking hysterical thing ever because it's just a game man so he's seeing this stuff and just like that's hysterical you know so I'm just like okay we got to minimize what he sees on this thing because it is an R rated game it or you know M for Mature or whatever it does have gore and violence it does have bloody shootings and whatnot that's the moral of this story so lesson learned. We're playing this game, and Ollie's supposed to just ride the horse, man. He's been doing so good at riding the horse. And uh, for some reason, he got off the horse. And he's just like, hey, if I push this button, what happens? And I'm like, oh, if you push L2, that'll bring up your your option to talk to people if you're near somebody or your horse, or whatever, you can brush your horse, or feed your horse, but if you're around a person, you can talk to him, you can greet him, man, you just hit, I think it's, uh, I feel like I said circle to hit, you hit circle to greet people, I think it's, it's square to antagonize, but I said to hit the one to greet them, because I didn't want him to know, you could do anything else, but just talk nice to people, you know, that was like my, my whole plan here, just like, as I'm watching him, watching over his shoulder, not just, you know, not, not caring, he's just like doing his thing, so We're sitting there, and he's like talking to people, and he's doing a really good job of like getting down the L two talk with greet L two talk with greet, and then he goes, "Hey Nate, what does this one do?" L two square to or triangle to rob, and he goes to rob some drunk. Okay, now let me back the story up just a little bit because in the previous thing and the previous time Ali had played, he'd also had figured out R two shoots, but I was like, "Don't use R two, you know that's not the thing." So he's excited, and he goes to rob this guy, and now he's in a fight sequence. And I try not to stay in fight sequences. My Arthur Morgan is more a good guy than anything. He's done some stupid shit and had some mistakes. But for the most part, he is a good man, morally speaking. So Ali goes to rob this dude. It doesn't go well. They're starting to quote-unquote cuffs. Ali pushes R2, straight-up fucking under-the-chin executes this guy brutal fucking death and I literally without hesitation nope grabbed the controller turned the game off without saving it not a big deal to me we were playing on a game I didn't intend to save anyways but I was like man okay I'm sorry dude and I explained to him I was like it just that was a little bit too much like that was pretty intense like you should just stick to riding the horse you know and he's like yeah we you know and I was like he's like maybe we shouldn't play that game and I was like alright cool so it's like I, I I have a game you'll love so much more and I went into the living room and remembered that had Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 there's a little bit of comic booky stuff and that game he was super immersed and he only got like 8% in which is as far as I got the first time I tried to play it I went back and played a couple more levels and I really had a blast so I'm going to be continuing to play that game looking forward to it so V and Ali leave and then about an hour and a half because they got to get ready for school in the morning an hour and a half later, Sarah finally comes home and she's done with the symphony and uh, a little bit of jubilation tomorrow's Friday chill day don't really have a lot of plans, and that's pretty much what it was We Sarah and I rolled down to Lowell on Friday hung out with V until she went to work, waited for her to get off work picked her up, went to Olive Garden ate some delicious food when you're here, your family, and then I think that's Olive Garden, right? Maybe not. Maybe that's Cheers. I don't. Whatever. Uh, So we ate there at Olive Garden and then went home and chilled out. And then Saturday, we really had a busy day. Just get right down to it. Had to get up kind of early. Had to get some shoveling and shit done because it had done some snowage a little bit. And get the house all ready for Sarah. Because she had a couple students coming in the morning. She had one student that ended up canceling on her. So we were like, oh man, that fucking would have been so good. If her, st- if her student would have canceled on her sooner, she could have had her other student come a little bit sooner. And then that just works better to our plans for overall getting where we wanted to with our day. So our plan was, it's Saturday. And guess what? The Doom Room was hosting an awards ceremony for uh, shows in the previous year of 2018. So... And I knew for a fact, and regardless of what the outcome was going to be, I wanted to go to the awards night to make up for last year when we had intended on going. And then a last minute thing came up that was unplanned, which I do believe was like a recital for one of Sarah's students. That was like a, you can't be an asshole teacher and miss type thing. So she didn't miss it, which is good on her for, you know, not letting her student down. We unfortunately let our friends down and I wanted to make up for that. So we were like, we're going to Lafayette on Saturday, hell or high water, snow or no. You know, we're going. We want to go and see these people and, and have a good fucking time. And I told the guys that Nick and Dick, I was like, hey, going to come, come to town Saturday. If you guys have any show ideas or any plans, whatever the fuck it is, just let me know. We'll do whatever you guys want to do. I don't fucking care. I'm excited. The girls are excited. We want to have some fun. So, Sarah's student, her other student, finally leaves. They finally get the rest of the way ready for the evening. We finally get on the road. We drive on down. Stopped off at Arby's. Got a delicious, tasty sandwich. Got ourselves all the way to Lafayette to Dick's house. Uh, chatted and bullshitted for a few minutes upstairs. Linder was there, which was awesome. Check out Dungeons with Dudes. Coming out, uh, fuck, is episode three this week, Maybe. I think it is. Episode 3 is this week. So check out this week's episode of Dungeons with Dudes. They did Super Fight. uh, Drops on Sunday morning at midnight. Check it out. Uh, And you'll get a clip of that on Sunday afternoon on the best of the week. So we get to Lafayette. We're at Dick's. We chit-chat. We bullshit. We go downstairs into Studio Heritage, the Charitageville now what we're going to call Square-itage, because here's what's the deal. Because their thing is heritage, thanks to Tyler and, and the the Subaru story that is legendary, uh, and Dick and everybody that told it uh, famously throughout time on Podcastrophy. Uh, the heritage thing is funny, but then to add the it-edge to other words that are like air, um. Like, Game of King Charitage would be fucking incredible for their podcast name. Game of King Charitage. Uh, <laughs> it's actually great. Uh, so, I looked up at Dick's uh, studio, and he had new soundproofing. And I was like, dude, how long have you had the square Because they're square soundproofing things. And everybody fell out and was like, how long have you been waiting to use that one? And I was like, right fucking now. I looked up, and it was the first thing that <laughs> popped into my fucking head. So, anyways, we did Podcastrophy. I don't know where that episode's going to be used, if it's going to be on their feed, if it's going to be a, a regular episode of Podcastrophy that you guys will get here on Thursdays, one of the Thursdays. I don't know where he plans on using it. Excited that he's going to have us. It was exciting to be on the show. Fucking amazing conversation with Lender and Miranda and Dick and, and Sarah and Veronica and Myself was there also. You guys can check that live stream out right now on Podcastrophy's Facebook page. Just go to Facebook.com backslash... What is it? I think, is it just Podcastrophy or Podcastrophy Pod? I'm not sure. I'm going to go look right now because I feel like an asshole. For some reason, I forgot that. Uh, Let's see. Podcastro. Podcastrophy is... What's their page? Oh, no, it's just www.facebook.com backslash So just go there, and you guys can see the live stream of us on uh, their show. It was a lot of fun to be there. We left doing that, and we went to eat at this place called Bobby T's with Linder. Got delicious chicken and waffles. I'm sure we'll be getting that retelling on Foodies Watching Movies episode 10, which is next week. Excited to talk about that because that chicken and waffles was bomb, yo. That chicken and waffles was like Ben Affleck in Phantom. He was the bomb in Phantom, yo. Anyways, <laughs> so we chill at Bobby T's with with uh, Linder and had an amazing. Again, it was just a the whole day was filled with amazing conversation across the board. Every time I was talking to somebody, I was just in it, man. I fucking love it. I love immersing myself in conversations with people. So we get done eating food with Lender. We leave Bobby T's to go to the North End pub. It's Doom Room Awards night, motherfuckers. We're there. We're chilling. We're partying. The place fills up. Uh Archerus, I think is the name of the first band. Uh played. They were fucking awesome. They had like a kind of the sword vibe, a little bit of like an old school Metallica vibe in their tone and stuff. I really dug their sound. Uh, you had uh, fucking uh, Coyote Man, and they were awesome for being totally instrumental. Like, they were bitching. I was vibing them, and we're going to talk about this on Wednesday because during NXT TakeOver, I was actually listening to Coyote Man's music while just watching the actual wrestling matches, which created some interesting, like, weird fucking timey-wimey moments where things synced up. You'll hear about it on Wednesday. Anyways. So we're chilling. All the bands are playing. After we had Coyote Man, we had Bizarre Noir. I've seen them a couple of times. Interesting, strange, bizarre band as advertised. I think I don't get down on their sound as much as some people would probably expect me to because I hear a lot of the bands that I like that they kind of maybe uncleverly ripped off a little bit. I'm not trying to shoot shots at anybody, but like... They're, I mean, and maybe they don't even know they're doing it. It's possible. Listen, it's fucking weird. And this is why I'm not trying to be shitty about it because I've written songs that have already been fucking songs and had no idea. It happens. It literally is a fucking thing. I've seen it happen. My buddy Tony, dude, he came one time to practice. He's like, hey, check out this dope ass rip and I'm like dude that's motherfucking floods by Pantera and he's like what and I'm like hold on and I went on my dad's computer and I pulled up the internet and I pulled up floods and I'm like listen he was like motherfucker I've never heard this stupid fucking song he was mad at first he ended up falling in love with the song um, but it happens, so I can't claim maybe Bizarre Noir directly ripped off bands like, um, you know, Polka Dot Cadaver or Dog Fashion Disco is really the band that sticks out to me that there are some sound stealages from. Also, while they definitely have their own unique thing, though, too, in all of that wrapped up. So there's a couple other parts to this that I haven't really dove into. After the first band played, Another drink break. After that first band played, they announced some awards. They announced, I don't remember, it was like Best Stage Show and something. We were nominated for Best Stage Show. Didn't win. Went to Boner Jovi. Shout out to those dudes. They do put on a hell of a show. They do have a great stage show. They are a lot of fun. We do have big plans for Boner Jovi. It's coming. It's true. There's an announcement coming very soon. So Let's see, we are get- you know hearing the awards go on, and man, it was the weirdest thing they say, OK, And now, for our best tribute and or cover act of 2018, it was the closest literally by one vote difference, the closest race in the entirety. Because everything for the Doom Room Awards is voted on by fans. They just put the link up. People vote. They do like an email thing to check, make sure people aren't like fucking sending in 400,000 anonymous votes for fucking Dixie Wrecked or something, you know. So, uh, you know, it was it was really strange because one vote difference. And the last thing I remember Tyler, shout out Tyler from he's saying, was he's like, hey, man, I just voted for you. You guys, because he was in our group chat, me and Dick, and the things we were nominated in, uh, I just voted for you guys in every category I could. And I was like, oh, sweet. That I really appreciate that. That means everything. It could mean we win. And it might have very well meant that we won, that one vote differential. So that was gnarly to get uh, officially announced as the best tribute slash cover act of 2018, Walk Among Us. Got a cool award. Got to do a fucking acceptance speech and shit. Uh, I didn't say much. Sarah had some really cool, inspiring words. And, uh, man, really came from the heart. People popped really big. It was fun just to be there and have the experience. They did some more award give outage all night throughout the night. Got to see a amazing new act that has been around for a while. We had talked about him. We'd have him. I mean, we had one of their members on our show way before he was a member of the network, and then now he's part of the network, and it's Nick Maxon's band Weed B. It's my first time ever seeing them, and they're a lot of fun, man. They have a lot of great energy. They have a great sound. I will say I do hear some things in their sound I would love to flesh out further. I'm, You know, you guys, for some reason, I like taking it to the max, and I'll hear shit and shit, you know. So, like, they're doing these dope-ass you know being real technical and shit and doing all I can't I'm not going to make up their music cuz I'm not good like they are but I was just like hearing some certain like like either it was like Gregorian chants or some sort of like opera woman just belting over this fucking thing just like giving it an extra something whatever it was it was it it it, it, it was just like one of those things I'm sure that when they go in the studio it's that level you know they really flesh it out to the next level Uh, but man, I was like, this is a band that you could put with a symphony. Literally, you could put this band with a symphony and it would be tight. It would be bad as hell. I would love it. I mean, if the right person wrote the symphony for their music and style and, and really helped them flesh out their concepts, I mean, they would be, we'd be, is an amazing act. I, uh, really respect those dudes. They are all great musicians. Uh, so funny story. They won two awards and Nick kind of was like this is weird it feels kind of self congratulatory but I don't vote y'all do. And uh we'd be won the best uh I think it was the best act maybe and then they won the best instrumental band from one show they played. Where Nick couldn't do the show, and it was the only time they've done an instrumental set, and that they got an award for that as well. Uh, and Nick was like, This is just fucking strange, but whatever, it was cool. So, and then, oh my God, at the end of their set, they played Sugar Into Prison by System of a Down back into the end of Sugar. Oh, it was fucking sexy. It was so good. I was moshing and thrashing and having a good time. It was an amazing release. I've not really kind of. Let loose like that in a while, man. I'm always so... Listen, guys. It's hard, man. I'm always so afraid to let loose at shows anymore because my sensitive dome and I don't want to fucking have a migraine. They suck. I fucking hate them. End of story. Like, I'm not even going to bullshit you guys. Migraines are fucking death. I hate them. They're the worst. So we win the award. We hang out. We're chilling. Our homie Patrick Murray is there. And uh, we got to hang out with him. And there was just like... large assortment of people we know and 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 just out and about being around in the doom room area shout out to casey taylor and the northland pub for hosting and having us all there it was a great time uh and obviously thanks to nick thanks to nick and everybody at the doom room because that was like maybe this is me giving like a secondary acceptance speech for walk among us just for me now that i've had a time to like reflect about this shit a little bit man because it's uh I said it in my Facebook post. I don't know if you, some of you guys probably don't have me on Facebook, so this is all worth repeating. But uh, it feels really good to be recognized by your peers and by a scene that we love. Lafayette has been a very special place to us. Every time we play there, the memory, just the enjoyment, the the energy gets better and bigger and brighter and... Uh, to have people who were excited to see us win an award there clapping when we were talking about shit, not just like going, Oh yeah. Woo. Like they were, they were popping. It was cool, man. It was really like I said again on the, on the, on the, it was really humbling. Like I've not, because everything has happened so fast in the past 48 hours, I've not even really got a chance to reflect on it that hard. And, uh, When we started this band, it was just for us for a a very, very personal reason and just trying something and it spawned into something much bigger than that. Now it's kind of, in some ways, I feel like it's bigger than us. Like it's weird, but I feel like there's now like almost an expectation for our band and that's whatever. But uh, we've been nominated for some shit before. We actually won a Doom Room Award last year. You know, which spoiler alert, we picked that up. Shout out Nick. We went we had I was like, Nick, I want that award. I really want that award. He's like, dude, you'll have to stop by my place after the show. I was like, that's not a big deal, man. But he's Nick Maxon. He's the overlord of doom. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves talking to him. And sometimes that dude just wants to go and sleep in his bed and not talk to everybody. I'm sure because it's gotta just be energy pulling to be not only the guy that put the show on, but the guy that had to ensure all the awards got there, had to ensure all the bands got paid, had to ensure that there were no bullshit dramas happening during the event itself, have to coordinate with Northen, which is not a drama. They work fucking perfectly together. You know, all these things coordinated, plus he played a Weed set, and then after we Be played, Boner Jovi showed up and did a two-song set. The Trooper and We're Not Gonna Take It. It was fucking great. Great way to end the night. So we were like, hey, we're going to go get food real quick, Nick. Uh, We'll wait at your house. And then, you know, when you get there, we'll get the award from you. And then we'll head on home. So an hour and 15 minutes later, about 2.15 in the morning, our time, 3.15 in the morning in Indiana time. Just to go to show how much of a trooper Nick is. By the way, he worked early this morning. As I'm recording this yesterday morning as you're listening on release day. So, Which, actually, I'm recording this on release day. Spoiler alert. Nate got uh, started doing JIC late this week. There's reasons why you guys are hearing them. Because this is the next part. When have I had time to do JIC? I don't know. Now. So we waited on Nick. We get the award. It was super cool. Love those guys. Love love Nick and Jess. Shout out to them. They're fucking beautiful people, and I don't mean that like the beautiful people. You know none of that shit. Like I mean, they're just in their hearts. They're really genuine, super hospitable, loving people. And to have them in my life at all is is just a again shout out to them. Is all I have to say. So you're probably like, what the fuck, man. Why do JIC Sunday morning? Got nothing on Sunday, right, motherfucker? Wrong, wrong again. So we drove home. By the way, it's two fifteen when we leave Lafayette. It was four thirty a.m. when we returned home. Why might you ask? So everything's going fine. We're driving. Roads are a little bit slick. I can tell on sixty-five, shitty and slick. I'm enjoying listening to Tenacious D's first couple albums. I love their whole entire discography. I just happen to have three of the four in the car right now, and I actually don't have post-apocalypto yet. So I'm jamming the ones I do have. And we get to the Lowell exit. We're not going to Lowell. We are actually going just straight on home to Hammond. Uh, but there's a cop in front of me, and he's like doing way less speed. Like he's going way slower. I'm like, all right, motherfucker. I'll slow down, too. Maybe it's Icy. So I start to slow down, it is a little icy I slow down a little bit more and I think I'll just stay behind him, man, he's the cop I'm gonna let him lead If he gets squirrely, I know to fucking back off He did not have the same plans as I did Cause he's a cop, he went Fuck you citizen Pulled over one lane, waited for us to pass, got fucking behind us and rode our ass for four and a half miles Harassment by the police Especially when it's 4 in the fucking morning and it's icy. If I would have hit my brakes, he would have been inside our asshole. I mean that. I mean deep inside. And and it would have not been good. Because it was slick. Conditions were not pretty. And how slick was it? Here's how slick it was. Two miles after this incident happens with the cop. We're behind three plows on 65 that are across all three lanes of traffic. Doing 20 miles an hour for the almost entire way home on 65 past the little exit. So that's another, like, for perspective, about 25 miles we had to do this. Now, we could have got off, but side roads and late at night, not necessarily a smart play. Better to just take the interstate and get yourselves, you know, on the expressway home instead of going through towns and having to hit up stoplights. And that's when stupid shit like, oh, Black Ice threw a stoplight boom, now you've gotten hit by somebody, you know, so I'm just like, fuck, we're almost where we have to exit, and there's light, because there's like an additional lane that shows up from this merge, and an additional lane that's for an exit, I'm like, that's two lanes, right now we have five lanes, and there are only three plows, fuck you plows, what? go around them, and I, I was the last car to do this. There were only three of us that got through, and I can attest that because I looked back and there were no other cars on the road because the plows had kept all of them behind them. So train of our existence showing up. You guys probably won't hear that one, but that's okay. Um, finally get around, go home, and then it's like crash time. Got up this morning and had to like immediately wake up, shower. Pack the board. Pack up my podcasting gear. Get ready. Sarah got home from her lessons. She's a fucking trooper who went and did lessons after only three and a half to four hours of sleep total. You motherfucker! She's such a gangster for, for doing that. Uh, and uh, you know She gets home and we're all about ready to get going. We get everything in the car and we headed to where she had been working on Wednesday and Thursday at the MAC. We're going to watch an operetta called mouse, which means the bat. This story is about the revenge of the bat. Essentially, the story is this guy, Arthur, he used to date this lady. She's not with him anymore. He's trying to get with her. Her husband killed a dude. Oops. He's got five days in prison. Now that's eight. So instead of five days in prison, he's got eight days in prison. He's gonna have to go serve his prison sentence starting the next morning. So while he's not in the house, Arthur sneaks in and is like, hey, when your man's gone, I'm coming back. And she's like, nah. And he's like, let me use my tenor voice to seduce the fuck out of you. And he does. And it's like, damn. And uh, she's like, okay, okay, okay. We'll make the deal. When, uh, you know, my husband leaves, you can come chill and we'll see what happens or whatever. He's trying to seduce her. And then another dude shows up, the bat. And uh, he's like, uh, hey. Uh, Eisenstein, you have to go to jail, man. You should have a good last meal. Uh, And then as soon as his wife, Rosalina, leaves, he's like, hey, Eisenstein, I'm going to go to this dope fucking party with some bitches. You should come too. And he's like, I got to go to jail. He's like, no, you'll go to jail in the morning. You're going to tell her you're going to jail tonight, but you're really going to go in the morning. I know the warden, you ain't got to fuck with him. He's cool. You can go in the morning and you're going to come to my party. There are all these fucking choir girls and it's going to be and like, it's going to be a dope affair. Lots of champagne and party and whatnot. And he's like down Charlie Brown. Like, let's have a night of debauchery. I've already killed a man. What's another crime? And uh, like the story is fucking hysterical because the bat essentially uh, tells Rosalina That if Eisenstein, Eisenstein comes downstairs, that if he's in like his best attire to quote unquote go to prison, that she has to agree to go to this party, but wear a mask. It happens. Eisenstein, because he's obviously going to a party, see where this is going. So now Eisenstein's at a party. His wife's at a party in a mask. She knows he's there philandering with these women. He doesn't know she's her, and he's flirting with her because he's super interested in her tits, and he's got this watch. He's trying to seduce her. She steals the watch, puts it in her boobs, and like uh, this great affair for this uh, prince uh, who's just all about lavish lifestyle and partying because he's got billions of dollars. He doesn't care, and everything bores him. Oh, and another thing, the housemaid, she has to say that her aunt's dying so she can leave for the night because she gets a letter from her sister saying there's some party. So it's like all these parties are going on, but spoiler alert, it's the same party. And it's this big uh comedic kerfuffle, I guess is a way to say that. Uh but for an operetta like maybe this is me nerding out. I had a fantastic time. It was it was a lot of fucking fun. It really was. Like straight up one of the best times I've had uh not doing music of our own sorts or doing something that's like a typical for me when I want to go out and do something outside of what we usually do. So to go to the, go to the operetta and uh, witness that was great. But see, here's the cool, cool thing. Cause Sarah got to take the notes for Kirk. And because I've known Kirk a little bit through Sarah working with Kirk and Kirk is super interested in me, Sarah and Veronica and just like likes our energy as people and whatnot. So I hit him up, and I was like, hey, you can totally say no to this question because I know you don't know me well enough, but it would be so much fun to have you do the Voice of Survival podcast. You're an interesting guy, and I feel like no one knows about you. Like, you're this great mystery. And he said, sure. And he's like, how about this? Why don't you come to the operetta? After the operetta, because I'm going to go to Canada in a few days. He's from Canada, by the way. Uh, He's like, why don't you come to the operetta and then afterwards we'll on stage or someplace record this podcast that you want to do. And I was like, really at the place that you're doing the symphony, like the, the operetta. Really? Yeah, let's do it. That'd be great. And he's like, you know, if you want to take video or anything, I mean, there you know, we have options, you know, or whatever. Cool. That sounds great. Kirk, I'm all about it. So we did some coordinating and, and, I got to interview Kirk Muspratt today. The interview will come out uh, February 15th, and all I want to do right now is just say how fucking amazing that story was. That dude's a fucking trip. He's led a crazy life, has been through some shit, has been put in situations that he never expected to find himself in that always led him to another situation he never expected to find himself in but always for the good of furthering himself. Uh, it's almost like he's uh, tripped his way through life. And I don't mean like acid trip, but more like stumbled, but not stumbled uh, painfully, but gracefully, intentionally. Like, oh, I didn't really know that my plan was going to work, but I put myself in the position and it worked. And I love that. Uh, just the, It's super inspiring, guys. Check it out. Kirk Musprat, Maestro Kirk Musprat, Season 2, Episode 3 of Voice Survival, uh, February 15th, coming soon. So holy shit, I just did that, and we finally got home, ate some pizza, I edited that podcast, sent it to them for review, and now, just now, I'm finally recording Journey into Comics, because guys, we're 46 minutes in, you've heard a retelling of my crazy, insane, busy, tumultuous fun wild award-winning weekend by the way crazy to note we are now two-time award winners which means we're really going to be able to jack up our prices now that we're two-time award winners thanks for that quote rocket raccoon i love it all right so let's get into some comic book news we're going to do this with grace and such vigor because i'm energetic i want to talk about it let's get into it we got a f-ton of marvel news I'll start there as I usually do because it's the longer news, as it were, right? The longer news. So let's get into it, you guys. Really quickly, this one's a brief one because this is just confirmation of something I said last week. I said this last week. This report came out two days after, or this, day, it actually came out the day of, hours after my show had dropped. So maybe they got the tip from me. They didn't. They didn't reference or quote us. But maybe they got the tip or the idea from me. I don't know. Uh, I know they got the actual tip from an actual source. I was just having conjecture and lending my opinion of what I thought would be great if they were to do in Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, But they're actually going to do it in some form because it has been confirmed. Michael Keaton returning as Adrian Toomes, the vulture. Now, what's he doing? He's in prison. Well, what are they going to do in prison? I wonder. All right. So that's pretty exciting. I'm super stoked that I called that and that it's uh, it's been confirmed. Uh, now, this is a little bit of comic book news we have for you. Uh, Galactus has been consuming planets since the Big Bang created the Marvel Universe. At some point during his travels through the cosmos, he realized that his quest would be much more efficient if he sent out scouts to find someone. So, like, you know, the Silver Surfer is the Herald of Galactus. So... The Fantastic Four have only recently reunited. The Richards family have been off exploring and rebuilding the multiverse. They finally returned to their home just in time to attend Ben Grimm's marriage to Alicia Masters. Unfortunately, that wedding was interrupted by a massive holographic image of Dr. Doom. Doom proclaimed that Galactus, the world devourer, was headed to Earth and that Doom alone would stand against the planet eater. Doom had gone through a kind of transformation during Reed Richards' time away. His scarred face had been healed. He had tried to turn over a new leaf. He even became the new Iron Man for a time while Tony Stark was in a coma. But that all came to an end. His face scarred again, and he returned to his home country, Latveria, once again becoming the nation's despotic ruler. Reed stopped time long enough for Ben and Alicia to say their vows, and then the Fantastic Four headed to Latveria, where Galactus has already made landfall. Dr. Doom was immediately alerted to the FF's arrival and sent out his new herald, Victorious, to stop him. Victorious is the new hero for Latveria. Her real name is Zora Volkovic. She was the leader of the resistance movement that fought against an occupying army that took control of the country in Doom's absence. As seen in FF1, the recent FF1, by the way, Zora infiltrated Castle Doom and convinced Dr. Doom to return to his position as the country's ruler. He was so inspired by her that he wanted her to do the same for all Latvarians. He infused her with this the power cosmic, transforming her into his herald. He christened her. He he rechristened her Victorious, naming her for how he expects she will make other Latvarians feel. Also, you can't spell Victorious without Victor, as in Victor Von Doom. So, that's pretty dope. Pretty exciting that Doom is getting even crazier he's an amazing villain he is always regarded by so many people as like man he's he's better than thanos he's more intelligent than reed rich i mean he's all these things and doom is the guy who really when we're talking about what's happening with the franchises coming back to marvel he is one of the characters that i most have my eye on how is marvel MCU going to tackle Victor Von Doom because that guy is almost worthy and maybe he is worthy of being the next overarching big bad for the entire MCU he is good enough to have shortcomings and fail against the Fantastic Four in their debut movie and then come full circle and be the guy that's pulling the strings and all the bigger shit and just because he learned his lesson, you know, he made mistake. sure he made a mistake against the Fantastic Four. They got him once. Doesn't mean they're gonna get him always, you know? So cool to see that he has his own herald. I'm excited to see what happens with that in the story. It makes me want to get back fully immersed into the Fantastic Four. And uh, that is uh, something that maybe if I do that I can convince Tyler to join me on those episodes and we can review those issues. I can uh, get him to him somehow. Uh, We got some more stuff here. Here's some movie news as Ryan Reynolds recently came out and gave a little bit of a heads up saying, hey guys, Deadpool 3 is going to happen, but it's going to be completely different. So, here's a quote from a recent report from Variety. Variety. It said his team was already at work on Deadpool 3, Reynolds added. He did say, however, that in the third installment they were looking to go in a completely different direction, saying that often they reboot or change a character maybe like four movies too late. So, what does that sound like to you guys? Going to be completely different. Reboot. Too late. Deadpool reboot would be a fucking funny name for the first movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. To relaunch the character who's the exact same character and they keep it the same would be fucking hysterical. But they're going to add some production quality. They're going to up the level a little bit. They're going to, you know, probably not make it rated R, but maybe, you know what? And here's why I say maybe, because shockingly enough, we just got reports that there is a official movie on the list for Marvel's first R-rated feature. You guys want to hear it? I know you do. So here's the rumor. According to director Kate Shortland and screenwriter Jack Schaefer, they are settling in on a film for Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow that will most likely be dun 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 rated R. So Essentially, you got to think. Black Widow, she's an assassin, crazy backstory, dark, dark, dark. You've teased it before in Age of Ultron when you had her dark visions show up uh, when she was getting fucked with by the reality. Uh, well, I guess that wasn't the reality stone, but the powers of the reality stone through Wanda Maximov. Uh, Well, I guess it's really the Mind Stone that created them, but she had essentially the powers to alter reality or force people to see shit they didn't want to see. So we've seen that before, and to see that would be, uh, you know, it would be fucking awesome. A R-rated Scarlett Johansson-led Black Widow movie. If we actually get this, could be really good, and then Deadpool can just make fun of the fact that he wasn't Oh, I guess I'm not the first anymore because now I'm only in the MCU. So that first time when I was in Fox didn't count. That never happened. You know, they're probably going to do something like that, folks. Don't be surprised. Also, let me go up on my soapbox for one second. I tried to watch Once Upon a Deadpool. Can I just say, like, while I appreciated the Fred Savage add-on stuff, I didn't finish the movie, by the way. I just, I put it on when I was doing other shit and I never got back to actually like watch it, watch it. So this is not a full review. This is just like my shorthand, what I kind of got from it. My biggest issue with this movie is it was edited like made for TV. And you can tell, and they just, man, like, knock get the freak off is not as, like, not something a kid says or freak off. They don't say that. Kids say fuck off. They're brash. They're cruel. Also, I think they said they only had four shits they could say in that movie, and they used them in, like, the first 22 minutes of the film. Or at least they used two or three of them, for sure. Because uh, Pender says, I shit my pants. And that was, like, right out the gate, like, two minutes in uh, to the actual story. So, uh, on my soapbox, I just didn't like the kind of made-for-TV editing. I think they could have been more clever with it, of course. This was just a cash grab slash a funny idea come to fruition. And utilizing Fred Savage for anything is great. He was a good sport. I cannot wait to fully watch just for that part. And I've also thought, man, how fucking funny would it be if somebody did a Super Duper Once Upon a Deadpool cut where they added Fred Savage's footage in to the R-rated feature film Super Duper cut and just was like, still had Deadpool talking about how it's PG 13 and we're all gonna say so many fucks. But then it just it's just him still just cutting loose. Cause that's typical Deadpool fashion. Like we're not gonna say the F-bomb. Fuck, 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 fuck. You know, that'd be funny as shit. I'd be all about it. <clears throat> Maybe I'll make that fuck. I don't know. Here's the big news coming out on Monday last week, guys. And this was shitty that I've had to wait to cover this. That's why I'm doing it now, because this is my first chance. Black Panther Get seven Oscar nods. One of them is not an Oscar nod for Ryan Coogler for Best Director. Totally flabbergasted how the Academy fucked that up. But they didn't fuck up everything because Black Panther not only is the like first uh, superhero movie to get massive praise like this from the Oscars. I mean, it, it just let's just break it down. I, I, I guess technically Dark Knight had some some the had like best supporting actor with Heath Ledger winning and then uh, but yeah, this is the most since the Dark Knight, so Enjoy that brisk drink break here in the podcast, fifty seven minutes in or whatnot. Black Panther gets nominated for seven different awards. Those awards include Best Costume Design. Check. They're taking it home. Best Sound Mixing. Maybe. Maybe. Best Sound Editing. Also possible. Best Original Score. Check. Best Production Design. Eh, maybe. Best Original Song for All the Stars, which is going to be performed at the Oscars. Spoiler alert. Wonder why. Uh, Check. Also, it got the big one, you guys, as Black Panther got the Best Picture Nod. Could Black Panther steal Best Picture Nod? Shockingly enough, it walked away with some Screen Actors Guild Awards tonight. Uh, And let's get into that right now. As... Let's see, Black Panther won for outstanding action performance by a stunt ensemble. A lot of the fight sequences in that movie were dope, so that does not surprise me. Black Panther also won outstanding performance by a cast. include Obviously, Chadwick Boseman, Mike B. Jordan, Lupina Nyong'o, Letitia Wright, Winston Duke, uh, Denai Guraria, Andy Serkis, Sterling K. Brown, Martin Freeman, Forrest Whitaker, and Angela at all in that movie, most of them were on stage. I want to say it's funny that uh, I think who was it? I think it was Michael B. Jordan said, like, uh, Oh, actually, I have that quote right here because they are confident Ryan Coogler is going to return to direct a sequel and live up to the first film's history. Um, saying, uh, Sterling K. Brown expecting a possible sequel to Black Panther could be comparable to The Godfather Part 2. It's honestly one of those things, it's one of those things where, honestly, to be able to build on that legacy and those characters and that world that Ryan built. You know, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby created years ago, but allow Ryan to actually tell that story. If there's an opportunity to come back and do a second one, I mean, take myself out of the situation, but for everyone to come back, I speak for everyone up here. It would be a tremendous accomplishment, Michael B. Jordan said. So, take myself out of that situation, because obviously Mike B. Jordan did not. uh, Spoiler alert, survive that first one. But, man, a Black Panther film, a sequel, is going to be huge, as they say, in the world. So, it's really cool that Black Panther earned how many? Best picture and six others, right? So one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, yeah, so it's seven total. Seven total nominations for Black Panther. That is incredible, you guys. The most, since Dark Knight, it's most deserving. I think a lot of these categories make sense. Tyler, it's not for best CGI. It's not for best CGI Rhino. They're not going to win that award. But they might win some of these other awards. Don't be surprised. Don't sleep on that. How about this? Another amazing thing, because Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was also nominated for an Academy Award. It was nominated, obviously, for that. Uh, Let's see. It was obviously nominated for the Best Animated Feature. But it's going to face off against two Disney films so there are three Disney films in this category Ralph Breaks the Internet Incredibles 2 Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse which has been beating these other movies mind you uh Mirai is one of them and I Love Dogs I Love Dogs I've seen I Love Dogs I've seen Incredibles 2 I've not seen anything else in this category we're gonna be talking about this on foodies folks this is a major breakdown we got all these Oscar nods Got to talk about what that means in the world of movies. So it's really exciting to see that Marvel's getting some love from the Oscars uh, as, again, here's another one. Avengers Infinity War has also been nodded with an award for Best Visual Effects. And I'm not going to lie, huge check. Almost guaranteed this is taken at home. I mainly say that because they just the scope of which they let that movie play out, the things they were able to do, the realisticness just in Thanos' face, without question, makes me certain that they will be taking home best visual effects. But we're going to talk, like I said, on Foodies more about this, maybe dive in deeper to what we think about all the other uh, nominations, things we've seen, things we haven't, whatnot. That's what we do. All right, let's move on. Uh, The comic books... Got some more news as Guardians of the Galaxy's first issue, the relaunch issue, was released today, and it came with the debut of Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw taking over the title. The first mission was to introduce the later, I- latest iteration, iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy to Marvel Comic Mythos, and they did not disappoint. Here's spoilers for Guardians 1. If you do not want to know what's happening, you may want to skip forward probably like two and a half to three minutes. I'm just going to read this short little article and let you guys know who want to know what exactly has been going on. So as Eros was reading the last will and testament of his recently killed brother Thanos, the occasion was soon interrupted by members of Thanos' Black Order. As the Black Order retrieved the headless corpse of their leader, a massive fight ensued. To escape, Proxima Midnight ripped open a hole in the fabric of space and with it... Most of the people in attendance were also sucked through. Fortunately enough for the small group, for a small group of the attendees, Beta Ray Bill was able to cast Stormbreaker out, which pulled him out of the rip. At the same time, Star-Lord and Groot were in the process of being pulled over by a member of Nova Corps for presumed driving under the influence, and coincidentally enough, Stormbreaker came barreling out of the hole in space and lodged itself into Star-Lord's ship. Soon after, Beta Ray Bill came flying through the hole with cosmic Ghost Rider... Moon Dragon and Philavell in tow, and that kids is how the latest Guardians became. And the line here that Quill says, "They're with me. This is my new crew." Damn, bitchin' lookin'. You got in the picture, uh, Philavell and the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Then in the center, you got Star Lord, who's got kind of like a little bit of a different look. And then you got Beta Ray Bill holding Stormbreaker, looking dope as hell. Oh man. Moon Dragon, or, yeah, Moon Dragon's down here in the corner, and then above them is Groot, which has, like, a punk Groot mohawk, which I fucking love that Groot has a punk rock mohawk. That's incredible. Incredible, folks. You guys got to check out Guardians. Guardians 2 will be out soon, uh, issue 2, that is, and Guardians 1 is obviously available now at your local retailers as well as online. So, Superior Spider-Man in the comics also just got an upgrade. The majority of Superior Spider-Man 2 Focuses on the fight between Otto and Terax in the middle of San Francisco. Otto, being superior Spider Man for those who don't know, does his best to hold on, but he was clearly no match for the might of Terax, a herald of Galactus who possesses the power cosmic. If you aren't familiar, the power cosmic refers to a limitless source of godlike energy channeled by Galactus. Much like Silver Surfer, he was given, uh, much like Silver Surfer was given the power cosmic by Galactus, making him one of the most powerful beings alive. While this power was looking a lot like Otto's downfall, he ended up turning it into a strength and taking the power cosmic for himself. By the end of the fight, Otto had been working on a mysterious device in his lab for some time. When he was on his last leg against Terax, he had his device finished and brought to him by his accomplices. He threw that device around Terax's neck and revealed that it was similar to the device that Dr. Doom used to drain the power cosmic from Silver Surfer. However, Otto did not stop there. After seemingly removing the Power Cosmic from Terrax, Otto bestowed it upon himself. The final page revealed that Otto now possesses Power Cosmic, which is almost certainly terrible news for the Marvel Universe. Even though Otto is fighting as a good guy now, it's hard to believe that he will continue to do that with these newfound powers, obviously. And that, my friends, makes me excited to go and read Superior Spider-Man number two, which I, spoiler alert, I didn't know they brought Superior Spider-Man back. Uh, until recently, and then AP sent me a picture, and I was like, fuck yeah, I want that. So I'm going to have to pick those up ASAP. What do we have left? Oh, yeah, this is uh, not worth talking about on the podcast. Uh, That's for foodies. Ah, let's talk about it. So, Brian Singer, former X-Men and Bohemian Rhapsody director, has found himself in some hot water because... Well, here's the deal. A producer and some, or not a producer, some kids, some people, some people have claimed that Brian Singer, citing more than 50 sources, the journalist behind the new Singer expose published in the Atlantic reports the director had sex with boys aged 15 and 17, while another uh, alleged he was sexually assaulted by Singer on the set of Apt uh, Pulp. Pulpal, while uh, this person was 13-year-old extra singer was in his 30s at the time of the report of crimes. Uh, Brian Singer's come out and said this is vendetta journalism, com- calling it a homophobic smear campaign. Conveniently timed to take advantage of the success of Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, he was previously fired from the Queen biopic, a Golden Globe winner for Best Motion Picture, uh, as a result of unexpected unavailability. Following reports, Singer disappeared. From set for days on end. He's actually going to stay on board for the comic book Red Sonja thing that's supposed to be in production this September, I think. Uh, We'll see. So, I don't know, man. Uh, He seems to have found himself in a lot of hot water. You know, this thing with the sexual assault came rearing its ugly head for him back in 2014. Um, And... Man, I don't know. I don't know. This is weird. Let me say this. Okay, one thing is certain. Brian Singer is a homosexual. So what? Uh, the issue that I have is not the fact that he's a homosexual. Oh, that's fucking cool with me, man. The issue is the kids, man. And when you're like, I look, I, th- I just, I read those words, and I'm a 31-year-old man right now, and I think, okay, same idea, but 15-year-old female right now because I'm not gay. Uh, so that's fucked up on a level I can't even... It makes me sick to my stomach to think about, really. It's on levels I can't even express. It's just like there's an innocence in those kids that are being whisked away. And these kids, from what I understand in this report, man, it was very thorough talking about how these were kids who were ripped away from their families or had no family background or had situations where the families left them, essentially orphans, kids who had no one, man. And this dude was just fucking taking advantage of them, you know? And, and, and that's fucked. It's totally fucked. And if this is true, it doesn't look good for him. If it's not true, then good for him for being vilified. I just, uh, I, when you get one of those things thrust your way, it's like, I just I just don't I just don't know, you know. So we'll see what happens there with that story. Oh, here's the thing. I meant to mention this earlier. I forgot this was on my tabs, but it's worth it to talk about. Rotten Tomatoes users officially named their fan favorite movie of 2018, you guys. Fan favorite movie of 2018, what was it? A resounding Oh hell yeah for Avengers Infinity War winning that. That's amazing, right? 27,000 people voted over the course of two weeks, asked about their favorite movies of 2018, and it was no surprise that Marvel took it home with Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. Speaking of the MCU, this is something I saw, and you guys maybe don't know about this. Um, There's a movie I saw last year, and I'm pretty sure we did talk about it on Foodies during... It was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was during season two's, like... Towards the wrap-up of that season. And it was Blockers. John Cena movie, right? Fucking hysterical. It's got Geraldine... This Oh, fuck. I fucked it up. I practiced this and thought about it. And... It's Geraldine Viswanathan. She was in Blockers. And she was... I actually think maybe she was the daughter to john cena i'm pretty sure but uh yeah it's just like uh why am i talking about this movie and blockers and this girl well apparently a bunch of mcu fans have been like she needs to be miss marvel like kamala khan make her miss marvel Fuck yes, sign me the fuck up, Geraldine. Miss Wanathan needs to be Miss Marvel. I'm championing that shit. Look her up. She was funny as shit, funny as shit, in that motherfucking blockers movie. I think she would kill, kill Kamala Khan. She would play such a great rendition of that character fresh comedic talented i mean she's got a great build and 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 i mean she played an athletic character and blockers so it makes sense for her to use that as a I mean man all about this concept Sure down sign me the fuck up let's talk about this guys so you know that there was the shit with Bill Maher. I think I've addressed this before. He talks shit on Stanley's death, and you know, kind of he kind of doubled down, Talked some more shit. I had a couple people ask, "Are you going to comment on this this week?" Yep. It's weird because I had a lot of respect for Bill Maher. I feel like I said this before, uh, because he was one of the guys that allowed me to see beyond. The religious bubble I had been living in. And to be opened up to the fact that it's impossible for your religion, no offense, to be true, mainly because there are religions all over the world. And what is the concept that there's a million different versions of God that just doesn't work, right? There's no. So he was one of the guys that kind of opened me up to all these different thoughts and like to look beyond just what you're being told. So I have a lot of admiration in that regard for him. However, you motherfucker! He keeps talking shit, man, and I can't stand it. Bill Maher, shut the fuck up! No one cares about your old ass opinion on this world. Stick to what you know. Stick to com- stick, not to comic books, but stick to politics. I like politics. I love you in the world of politics, and I love your opinion in politics. However, your opinion in comic books is horseshit. Your brain is dog shit, and I'm sick of that shit. Knock it the fuck off. It's tired, man. It's old. You're attacking the fan base for liking movies? Fuck you. You're saying that comic books aren't actual literature? Have you not read a Frank Miller? Have you not read an Alan Moore, you dumb schmuck? Why in the fuck do you still have a TV show when you don't have a fucking brain in your head, it seems, Bill Maher? That's what I want to say. Right now. I hope he hears me say these words. Somebody share this shit with him. Straight up. Have me on your fucking show, Bill Maher. Oh, we'll talk about it, bro. We'll talk. We'll talk good. Because here's the thing, man. There's a whole generation that is inspired by comics that have made our world better because of that. And you're shitting on them. And you're putting them in your crosshairs because you think you're trying to be some sort of crusader because... Oh, I don't like how way more people reacted to the death of Stan Lee than will ever react to my death. Sorry, man. You're not him. You'll never be him, and that's not your legacy. That's his. So that's all I got for that, man. Fuck Bill Maher. I'm over it. We're winding down here, guys. I told you it's a longer one. I mean, we're, we're short still. We're not like crazy long. We're not in two-hour range, but we might get there. Who knows? So, Game of Thrones, Sophie Turner, man, throwing some fucking shade in a good way, and I'm totally supportive of this, and I'm so supportive of this, I'm bringing it up on the podcast when typically this is some shit I would not cover, but some idiot on Twitter, oh, had their account suspended, that's bitching in the kitchen, Sophie Turner posted, ew, please don't use me to promote racism. And there was a meme which had overlaid text of Sophie Turner's Sansa Stark, captioned purity and race and culture, and read, do it right, date and marry white, which is fucking gross. And she said, ooh, please don't use me to promote racism, as she said, and she uh, posted the person's Twitter. That account has been suspended, and that's badass, man. Stomp them out from a root. Kick a Nazi with your boot. Man, that's what I'm saying. So, I love that she called that shit out. She didn't let it stand. She found the source of whoever came up with it and was like, You, no. This is not okay. Nope. If you're still a racist pig, fuck off. If you're still a sexist pig, fuck off. We're not going to get on the masculinity topic. Because I think that's a, a bullshit word that's being thrown around right now that no one... Throwing it around knows what that means, masculinity. And there's the idea of toxic masculinity. That's real. Lots of toxic masculinity. Lots of boys will be boys in this world. That shit's got to stop. Boys will learn to respect the fucking whoever you fucking make them respect. You know, and it's an interesting thing because I think I have, I think, and I think that just, in a lot of ways, answered some questions, but, maybe in my to a lesser extent and and not you know i don't i don't share blood with oliver but he's like a son to me i've known him his whole fucking existence pretty much sans the first like 11 months of his existence so four out of the five years he's been alive i've known him and uh i've grown to respect that kid and teach him things and try to lead by good example and stomp out the idea of toxic masculinity. I'm not going to cover this any further today. Um, just know that I do kind of know what I'm talking about. And I think I've seen how it works and how it doesn't work. And maybe someday I can really dive into this topic. But today is not that podcast because we've got other shit. So, let's keep moving on. Let's move on to some DC shit. We don't have a ton of DC shit. But the little bit of DC, the little bit of DC shit we have is going to be good. So... Zachary Levi was talking in a recent interview and he was talking about how, uh, he feels if Fandral would not have died in Thor Ragnarok, spoiler alert, death by uh, Hala, um, he thinks that Fandral would have been snapped essentially or killed on the Asgardian ship uh, if they would have won a different creative decision with the Warriors three, you know, uh, the great mystery is what's up with Lady Sif? Where's she at in all this? She kind of fell off the radar entirely. She didn't die, did she? I don't think so. But she's just gone. I don't know. Uncertain. But Zachary Levi, man, that dude's cool. I'm excited to see uh, Shazam. Speaking of DC movies, people are excited to see Hideo Kojima from Metal Gear Solid uh, said, Go see Aquaman. This film is coming to a theater in Japan from January to March that I highly recommend. And Aquaman was one of the four he shared. He shared four different movies, but one of them was Aquaman. That's high praise, man. Coming from coming from Hideo Kojima, it means it's got to have a solid story. It's got to be captivating in some regard. Him saying that furthers my want to see Aquaman. I already really, 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 really want to see this movie. Really, 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 really. Um, obviously, I haven't seen it yet. So, goddamn it, I need to do that, right? Let's keep it going, as we have. Uh, This is an interesting thing because Warner Brothers is continuing a restructure and they announced that DC Comics is laying off some employees in the publishing division. They're laying off people at the executive level. Uh, It has been rumored that Dan DiDio and Jim Lee could be exiting the company. There are also reports that that is not true, that Lee and DiDio are going to continue to play vital roles um, in DC's history. It looks like um, other people have just... It just seems like they're restructuring their company, trying to get DC Comics and everything DC back to its roots. Maybe they've lost their way a little bit, but who knows? I am unsure. This was some interesting DC news also that I do want to talk about. Over a 1,000... 100, over 100,000 people have signed a petition for DC Comics to pull their Second Coming comic book. DC Comics' new Vertigo title, Second Coming, is getting quite the reaction at the moment from a contingency of fans who are not happy with the new Jesus Christ-focused title, and they've started a petition, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Second Coming is a Vertigo book Mark Russell and artist Richard Pace are doing, telling the story of Jesus returning to Earth to room with Earth's predominant superhero, Sunman. From the synopsis, the book seems like Jesus is shocked to learn what has happened to the gospel in his absence, but that didn't seem to stir up people until an interview with Russell explained the premise. An all-powerful superhero named Sun Man has to share a two-bedroom apartment with Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the deal is, God was so upset with Jesus' performance the first time he came to earth Uh, since he was arrested so soon and crucified shortly thereafter that he's kept him locked up ever since. God then sees the superhero on Earth a few thousand years later and says, that's what I wanted for you. They learn the limitations of each other's approach to the world and its problems. Here's a fucked up thing. I want to read that and I want to review that shit on this show, you guys. I don't even like religion. I just said that earlier. I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of, like a concept of a one God and higher power. Like, I can't, I listen, I can get down with the idea that the universe gives you nugs of possibility, and if you're in the right moment and you can uh, capitalize on those opportunities, that you can further yourself in the path you're meant to go down. I also can see that if you live a very, um... <laughs> closed-minded life and stuck in the ideology that religion has got to be the, and and I'm talking for the people that, like, go every fucking Sunday, and some people go every Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, or whatever the days are, like, they get so lost in it, that they don't even think, like, what's this really doing for me, it's like a fake blanket, you're wearing a fake blanket your whole life, the fake blanket, so... I don't know. I think this would be a cool book to cover. So if it does end up coming out, I'm going to snatch up a copy and we're going to talk about it. Hey guys, remember I was talking about Aquaman? Here's another thing. Aquaman is about to cross and be ahead of the Dark Knight Rises, which means it will be the highest-grossing DC film of all time. Isn't that crazy? It's about to beat the Dark Knight Rises, y'all. Y'all credit that as the greatest... Oh, it's so much better than The Dark Knight. Tom Hardy, he's amazing. He's the best actor in the world. Because he's Tom Hardy he's got big muscles. I want to flex his muscles on my muscles. Sorry, guys, it's not that good. Because Jason Momoa, motherfucker. And James Wan, man. He said, this is crazy. Crazy. It's going to just roll through, you guys. And we're going to be talking about Aquaman for a while. and I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to review it, and I have a fun plan for after I see it. And You guys are going to have a really great time hearing that. Apparently, this uh, Joaquin Phoenix or whatever movie is supposed to be... Coming out, and apparently, the chick that played Domino... Uh, what is her fucking name? Uh, Zazie Beats was talking about her upcoming ECDEU role in Joker. And she said that uh, the script was great. However, she revealed a lot of changes happened during the film. We wrote the whole thing while we were shooting it. Literally, we would go into Todd Phillips's trailer and then write the scene for the night, and then do it. Man, the writer of that script is going to be so pissed to hear you say that, Army Hammer joked. He was there too. He was helping out. So, man, they just, like, during hair and makeup, memorize lines and do them, and then we'd reshoot that three weeks later, and they had to do everything then because Walking Phoenix had lost so much weight that we couldn't do reshoots later on, so we were figuring it out. But Todd's quick at getting stuff done, so we always had extra time, which was great. Interesting. I don't know. I'm interested in seeing that movie. I don't know if it's the movie I'm most interested in seeing, but when it comes out, I'll want to check it out. I can't wait to see a trailer, though. You know, That's going to be really what tells me if I really want to see it. Here's something I know I really want to see, you guys. February 15th, that date sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. It's the day the interview with Kirk Musprat comes out on The Voice of Survival Season 2, Episode 3 right here on the Journey Into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com or on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or Spotify. Just search Journey Into Comics Network. You'll get all the different shows on our feed, whether it's This show, Journey Into Comics, Poor 360, Journey Into Wrestling, Foodies Watching Movies, Adulting Ain't Easy, Podcastrophe. Kids for Sale, Crucial Tunes, The Voice of Survival Podcast, Radio. Brews with Dudes, or Dungeons with Dudes. You'll get them right here at journeyintocomics.com, or as I said, by searching Journey Into Comics Network at those different podcasting platforms. Or, if you really love us, if you're really special, if you're really feeling like being a part of our family, you go to pod... I mean, you go to Patreon, not pod... I don't know why I said pod. I meant to say patreon.com backslash journey into comics. For some reason I said pod got my shit all thrown off. I don't know. It's late. It's fucking 1.30 in the morning. I'm sick of this shit. Not really sick of this shit. I just fucked up. My bad. I'm over it though. Here's the last topic guys. I'm super excited because February 15th Doom Patrol debuts on the DC streaming app. And Let me tell you something. You guys. When I was watching Titans, episode four of Titans was the Doom Patrol's, like, teaser episode, essentially, like that. If people think this episode's fun, we can absolutely do a series. It's essentially the pilot of their show. It was fucking great. It was one of the best episodes of the season, and it made me so sold. Um, Brennan Frazier coming in as Robot Man, Cliff Steele, as it were. They've been doing some promos, hyping it. Uh, a couple other characters they recently talked about that they've done some promos for. They're gonna probably do promos for everybody, but they're just gonna release them in a few batches of time. So I'm gonna talk about the first few batches. So first one was Brendan Small, uh, Brendan Fraser doing uh, Robot Man. Then uh, you got uh, Ah April Bolby is playing Elasta Woman, and Elasta Woman goes from glamour to grotesque. She goes from pretty. She's like Literally made out of, she's like, kind of like Clayface, but she keeps it together better and can look human, but also can lose that really fast. Uh, so that's interesting. And then also we've got Crazy Jane, who is played by, let me see here. Where is the thing that says, oh, played by Orange is the New Black alum, uh, Diane Guerrero. It is unclear how her powers will be presented on Doom Patrol, but the character's live-action appearance is certainly exciting for fans. I'm stoked, man. Doom Patrol was fun. It was a fun thing on Titans. If you guys haven't seen it, I would strongly suggest you check it out. It, uh... It was was everything it needed to be to make me a fan of the Doom Patrol, which is something I was naive to going into that. And that's me just being real, man. I don't know everything. Listen, part of this show is me also learning about shit so I can tell you guys about shit. That's why I say fill your brains dot, dot, dot with shit. Literally because I want you to also be encouraged to go... You know, Nate was talking about the Doom Patrol a little bit, but he really didn't dive into like the fact that there's a dude from My Chemical Romance who wrote the version of these characters that they're actually using for the TV show. That's a whole podcast worth of talking. Why is he not talking about that? Because I want you guys to go do a little research, and then I'll maybe bring some more shit up, and then he'll be like, oh, I know that shit. He filled my brain with the idea to fill up my brain with shit, and I went and filled my brain with shit, and now he filled me with more shit, and now we're just filling each other's brains with shit in the good way. Good way. So, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Journey into Comics. I know it's late for me. It's a long one for us. It's been a great weekend experience. We got some more snow and ice on the horizon. All I want to say is, let's go get that piano. That's my little Easter egg to some people. And, uh, folks, I want you to just take care of each other. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey into Comics 228 the uh the fake blanket or whatever. I don't remember what I was going to call it. I'll figure out what the name is later. It, it always comes to me after the show usually. I didn't write anything down, so it's just going to come once I'm once I'm there. So whatever this episode of Journey the Comics called Journey into Comics 228 it's late. I'm Nate. Take it easy. Fill your brains with shit. Later guys.